This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 112, entitled Son of Man Christology in the Gospel of John, Part 5. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. I hope everybody is being healthy, safe, and in good spirits. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. Just as a reminder, during this downtime when you are being self-quarantined, we have, of course, over a hundred episodes of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast that you can listen for your personal study, for your enjoyment, and of course, if you think that they are interesting, you're welcome to share them with your other truth-seeking friends that are probably quarantined at home from work or school. You can interact with us online at our Facebook group. Just search for Biblical Unitarian Podcast and send a request, and we'd be happy to have you join in on the ongoing conversation. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am? This is a highly disputed term, not only in modern times, but also in the narrative of the Gospel of John. We have been studying, as of late, the Son of Man in the fourth gospel. And today's passage depicts the Son of Man claiming to be the I Am. While most of our previous passages in the fourth gospel that portray Jesus as the Son of Man have been pretty straightforward, this passage in John 8:28 has reasonable ambiguity in it from a grammatical standpoint. So I felt that it would be prudent to look at the modern scholarly interpretations of what the Son of Man is actually confessing in John 8:28, and to take this episode to evaluate their interpretive merits. So in this episode, we will look at John 8:28 to see what the Son of Man meant when he said, I am. Or did he say, I am he? That's one of the questions we'll need to determine. Is this a claim to being the only true God? Or are there other legitimate ways and persuasive ways of understanding this passage? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the Son of Man's self-reference in John 8, 28. So we'll read this passage and we'll read a little bit of the surrounding context. I'm going to start in John 8, 26. Jesus says, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these things... I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So, Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, 
and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. That's John 8, verses 26 through 28. In this passage, which is the only reference to the Son of Man in John chapter 8, we have the potential to learn quite a lot about this important Christological title. However, the phrase, I am, which is ego me in Greek, is grammatically ambiguous, and it can legitimately have what I would count as three possible meanings. It could mean the I am as a reference to Yahweh, who claims to be the divine I am in many Old Testament passages, particularly in Isaiah chapters 40 through 55, where there are about a dozen places where this phrase is used for the true God. I will regard this interpretive option as the Old Testament I am interpretation in order to distinguish it from other readings that we will cover. The second way in which the Son of Man statement has been interpreted by scholars is a self-reference to being the Messiah. In this reading, the Son of Man would be heard as confessing, I am He, that is, I am the promised Messiah. There are some strong clues earlier in the Gospel of John's narrative that indicate that the phrase, I am, when it is used of Jesus without a predicate, indicates the promised Messiah. I will call this second interpretive option the Messiah interpretation. Yet another way in which modern scholars have interpreted this phrase is that it is a reference to God's title, I am, as we have seen in our first interpretive choice, but the Son of Man bears this title as one who has been given this title by God in order that the Son of Man would act as a revelatory agent of the only true God. In doing so, the Son of Man's claim to being the I am figure would actually be intended to be understood as a highly authorized human being acting as the agent of God. And there is a good case that can be made for this reading of the evidence, as we will see in due time. I'll refer to this third interpretive option as the shared title interpretation. So we have three modern scholarly interpretive options for what the Son of Man could be saying, grammatically speaking, in John 8.28. Before we go looking into the merits of these three readings, we should really take some time to examine our current passage and its context thoroughly. In the section that I read earlier, Jesus claims to be the Son of Man. In doing so, he also says some very important things about him and about the one who sent him. In verse 26 of John chapter 8, 
Jesus claims to be sent by God. This places Jesus in the role of an agent of God. That is, one who represents the one who sent him. The principle of agency was widely known and accepted in the ancient world. And this principle indicated that the one who was sent functioned as the sender in every possible way, bearing the sender's prerogatives and authority. Jesus also identifies the one who sent him in this passage, calling him the one who is true. This reference to the true one who sent Jesus shows up later in John 17, verse 3, where the Father is explicitly called the only true God. And this only true God is then distinguished from Jesus Christ as the one who was sent. In other words, when Jesus states in John 8.26 that, quote, he who sent me is true, end quote, Jesus is actually distinguishing himself from the only true God. Furthermore, Jesus acts as an obedient agent of the true God by admitting that he speaks the things that he heard from God to the world. In doing so, Jesus acknowledges that his words are derived from the one who sent him. In the following verse, 8 verse 27, the narrator helpfully chimes in to inform the readers that the true one who sent Jesus and gave him the words to speak is indeed the Father. So we know that the Father is the true one, whom John 17.3 calls the only true God. This confirms our link with our passage in John 8 with John 17 verse 3. In John 8.28, our primary passage of study, Jesus explicitly identifies himself as the Son of Man. The title observed already in the Gospel of John to indicate the human agent who is authorized to fully reveal the unseen God to the world. This human Son of Man is to be lifted up, which is a verb that we have already encountered in our ongoing study of the Son of Man in the fourth Gospel. It appeared in John 3.14, where Jesus says that just as Moses lifted up a serpent onto a stick, so too will the Son of Man be lifted up for the salvation of the world. We noted then that this verb, lifted up, which is in Greek the verb ipsoo, indicates the act of the human Son of Man lifted up onto the cross, while also regarding this act as one that exalts this human being. So the verb lifted up 
does double duty by saying Jesus will be physically lifted up onto the cross and that this act of being lifted up is an act of being exalted. It is not surprising that all four occurrences of this verb, ipsoo, in the Gospel of John deal with the Son of Man, indicating the exalted death on the cross of an authentically human figure who is mortal, who can die, who physically died and was raised back to life. As the Son of Man, Jesus indicates in John 8:28 that when he is lifted up onto the cross, three things will be known. The verse says, quote, When you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that, end quote, followed by three statements. The first thing that you will know is that, according to Jesus, I am he. This is our debated phrase, to which we will shortly return. The second thing we will know is that Jesus does not do anything on his own initiative. This is indicative of one who looks to an authority figure above him for direction and guidance. It demonstrates the subordination of the Son of Man to the only true God as if the subordination of a human being to the true God needed to be clearly stated. Lastly, we note the third thing we will know, which is that the Son of Man speaks the things that the Father has taught him. That's what it says at the end of 8.28. Here, Jesus admits that he was taught things by the Father, proving that the Son is not omniscient. As an obedient Son, Jesus learns from the Father and speaks those learned words to others. This points to the Son's dependence upon and obedience to the Father, who is the only true God. So, Whatever interpretive option that we give to the meaning of I am in John 8.28, it should logically fit the context of an authorized human being who is to be triumphally crucified, who has been sent by and taught by the only true God, and who is unambiguously distinguished from the one who sent him. Our second point today is a look at the I am interpretation. One of the popular readings of the Son of Man claiming to be I am is to regard this as a claim to being one of the same as the God revealed in the Old Testament. That God who claims to be the self-existent one. That's probably how it would be understood to claim to be I am. It's being the self-existent one. Consider these passages from Isaiah, where the Greek phrase ego in me appears as a self-reference. 
Isaiah 41, verse 4. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, Yahweh, am the first and with the last. I am he. That's Isaiah 41, verse 4. Consider also Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. That's Isaiah 43, verse 10. Also, verse 25. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. That's Isaiah 43, verse 25, where the Septuagint actually has a double ego in me, once after the other. And in Isaiah 47, verse 10, Yahweh says, You felt secure in your wickedness and said, No one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge, they have deluded you. For you have said in your heart, I am and there is no one beside me. It's Isaiah 47, verse 10. It used to be commonplace to refer back to Exodus 3.14, where God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush as the starting point for the phrase, I am, as a self-reference for Yahweh. But the evidence for the argument in Exodus 3.14 is shaky, while the evidence in Isaiah is much stronger. In the Septuagint of Isaiah, in chapters 40 through 55, we have over a dozen references, some of which we have already surveyed, where the Lord, the true God, Yahweh, claims to be I am, most often without a predicate. So there, I am is a self-reference. We might also call it a title. So this much is clear from Isaiah. The question is, and this is very important, does the Son of Man in John 8:28 claim to be this I am figure from the Old Testament? I find this interpretive move to be unlikely for a number of reasons. First of all, the I am figure in the Old Testament is clearly the true God, Yahweh himself. But the Son of Man, who is a human being, distinguishes himself from the true God multiple times in our current passage. The true God sent the Son of Man. The true God taught the Son of Man. The true God is divine, while the Son of Man is a mortal human figure who dies on the cross. These reasons plainly indicate that the Son of Man is not likely trying to tell his audience that he is one and the same as the God of the Old Testament. And actually, there are a number of modern commentaries on the Gospel of John that openly acknowledge that the Son of Man is not claiming 
to be the I am of the Old Testament. So let's look at another reading. Our third point today is a look at the Messiah interpretation. The Messiah reading seems strange to those who start by only looking at John chapter 8. But this interpretation's strength only appears when we look at the initial descriptions of the disputed phrase, ego and me, the phrase that's translated as I am in our English translations, within the Gospel of John to see how it is defined. When it is first used in regard to Jesus, it shows up in the dialogue with the Samaritan woman. This is extremely important, so please focus in on this point. Consider this passage from John chapter 4, starting in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who speaks to you. That's John chapter 4, verses 25 through 26. Quite clearly, Jesus claims, I am, or I am he, as the response to the Samaritan woman's comment about the coming Messiah, about the Christ. Jesus' response to say, I am he, means I am the Messiah. I am the one about whom you are referring. The argument of the Messiah interpretation insists that when Jesus says, I am he, without the predicate in the Gospel of John, then he is claiming to be the long-awaited Messiah. And this argument is strengthened by an even earlier witness to the phrase spoken by John the Baptist. His introduction into the narrative as a speaker deals with the question of whether he is the Messiah. Note carefully how the dialogue unfolds in John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That's John chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. So as to avoid any confusion, the confession of John the Baptist is that he is certainly not the Christ. In making this assertion, the Baptist states in Greek that ego uk emi o Christos, where the phrase ego emi has a negation in its reference to the Christ. In other words, we can see how one who is the Christ, the Messiah, can claim so in the Gospel of John with the phrase ego emi, the English I am, but the Baptist negates this title for himself. John the Baptist in John 1.20 says, I am not the ego in me. I am not the Christ. In sum, 
this interpretive option, the Messiah interpretation, suggests that when Jesus says, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am, meaning I am the Messiah. In the context of John chapter 8, this fits rather well. It does not confuse the human Son of Man with the only true God. It is the natural way that a reader in Greek would regard the phrase ego and me for Jesus based on the dialogue with the Samaritan woman and that of John the Baptist. I find this reading much more likely than the first interpretive option we surveyed. However, there is yet another way that modern scholars have understood the phrase in John 8.28. And it is to this reading that we must now turn. Our fourth point today is a look at the shared title interpretation. The third way in which modern scholars have come to understand the phrase, I am he, on the lips of the Son of Man, in John 8.28, is to see this as a conferred title upon an agent. In this reading, Jesus is not claiming to be the divine I am of the Old Testament. Rather, he is acting as an authorized revealer, an agent of the true God. And as an agent, the one sent naturally represents the I am figure by bearing that title upon himself. This reading has the benefit of the context distinguishing the Son of Man with the only true God while playing on the strengths of the role of the authorized agent. And there are certain clues in the Gospel of John up to this point in the narrative where Jesus acts under the prerogatives and privileges of the one who sent him, thus allowing him to potentially bear the divine title, I am, as an authorized human being. Consider these points as evidence for this interpretation. In John 1.18, it states that the Son will fully reveal and exegete the unseen God. Furthermore, the Gospel of John has depicted Jesus as the one who has been sent by God over a dozen times up to this point in John 8.28. And the one who is sent represents the one who sent him. In John 5.43, Jesus says, quote, I have come in my Father's name, end quote. A few episodes back, we studied John 6.27, where the Son of Man acknowledges that, quote, On him, the Father, God, has set his seal. And as the human embodiment of God's own words and commands, the Son of Man naturally speaks with the full authority of the Father. We saw that in John 1.14, where the 
poetically personified word of God was embodied in the human Jesus. So there is certainly a strong case to be made that the human Son of Man bears the only true God's title, the title I am. Where I think this interpretation comes up a bit weak is that there does not seem to be an explicit reference to a go in me in the Gospel of John to that divine title used by God in the Old Testament, as we saw in Isaiah chapters 40 through 55. In other words, the reader up to this point in the narrative of the Gospel of John, by the time they get to John 8, 28, this reader has really no direction in order to think that the phrase I am is a reference to the divine title used by God in the Old Testament. While there is an explicit indication in its first reference to Jesus, spoken by the Samaritan woman, to be a title referencing the Messiah. So, as to where I stand today, in March of the year 2020, I find interpretive option number two, where the Son of Man's claim to be I am He is a reference to be the expected Messiah to be the most plausible reading. I would be more open to option number three if there were some more persuasive data available and option number one seems to be the weakest choice among the three. So for my money, the Son of Man is claiming to be the Messiah, God's anointed agent. In conclusion, we have observed that John chapter 8, verse 28 depicts Jesus claiming to be the Son of Man. But his claim is blurred because of the ambiguity created by the phrase, I am he, used in this passage. This has led to three modern scholarly interpretations of how that phrase was intended to be understood by the original readers. The first option suggested that the human Son of Man was actually one and the same as Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. This seems unlikely, primarily because the Son of Man openly distinguishes himself from the only true God in the context of our current passage. The second option drew upon what readers have already learned from Jesus' exchange with the Samaritan woman in that the phrase, I am he, refers clearly to the Messiah. The third option that we surveyed suggested that the human agent of the divine I am, the Son of Man, appropriately bore that title upon himself. We observed reasons why the Messiah interpretation was the strongest of the three. In doing so, we can draw conclusions about the purpose set forth for this study, which was to better understand the Son of Man. As the Son of Man, Jesus is 
mortal and is to be exalted in his death on the cross. Furthermore, the Son of Man learned from the Father, having been taught what to say. Moreover, the Son of Man is obedient to the only true God, choosing to do nothing of his own initiative. The portrayal of the Son of Man, who is to be exalted in his death, is certainly worthy of being classified as high human Christology. But this makes little sense with Trinitarian Christology or angelic Christology. Join us next week as we continue our multi-part study of the Gospel of John in regard to its portrayal of Jesus as the Son of Man. Please consider supporting the Biblical Unitarian Podcast as it aims to promote the sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You may check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Please be safe and healthy and exercise social distancing. My name is Dustin Smith. I wish you well. And I hope that you have a great day. Thanks for listening.